Count us off, bro. Three, two, one. Radio Brendo Man. Radio Brendo Man. My brother and me. Hello and welcome to another episode of Radio Brendo Man. My brother and me. I'm Brendan Creasy. And I'm that brother, Carson Crashley, the fourth. All of it. It's in there. Happy fourth day of Hanukkah. Yeah, it's been a while. But we're back. Yeah, we're back. What have we been doing? Are you asking yourself, or are you, you asking me? Yeah, what have you been doing? Um, you know, putting together a house. Yeah, is it put together yet? Man, it's like, it's like Tetris. You know, the blocks are, are falling down. But <laughs> you're, you're lining up a good Tetris. It's all figured out. Flooring. There's plumbing. Tiling. Counters. Th- th- these are all different blocks, right? And it's like, you know the Tetris song. How's it go? And it's like, okay, plumbing Tuesday block, tiling Wednesday block. Wait a minute, there's a delay by this block. Now the block's off the board. Now pandemic. Now everything's fine. But I mean, we're doing great. Yeah, there's a refrigerator in our living room. Hey, man, we got a refrigerator. Do you know how many people don't have refrigerators? That's true. What if the refrigerator Perry, he's down on his luck. The fridge could not have a fridge. We have two fridges. There's a small one in the basement that used to be a kegerator. My friend's refrigerator died, and there's, like, an appliance shortage, and they had to wait till like, January to get a new fridge. Yeah, man, we, we got frid, we got fridge-lidge. What's up with appliance shortages? It's fridge privilege. It's not a shortage. Infrastructure... If you have, if you're going through like your your insurance, there's probably like a backup. The logistics, the delivery's all messed up. Because it took us a while to get ours. Well, no one wants to hear about appliances, bro. I don't know. You never know. That could be something interesting to people. No, it never. It never is. When was the last time an appliance was interesting? The Brave Little Toaster. That was like 30 years ago, bro. Yeah, I noticed that. The Brave Little Toaster isn't on Disney Plus, but like the sequels are. Oh no! We should demand our money. Was that not in the big announcement? I don't. I don't know. I was looking forward to watching the Brave Little Toaster. I was not. So thank you, Disney Plus, for. Did it get canceled because John Lasseter? I don't know. The, if that was the case, they'd have to remove like all of like all of so <laughs> much Pixar movies. No. I don't know. I've been reading. Yeah, you've been reading? That's what I've been doing. Yeah, me too. Well, we both, I mean, that's kind of what prompted this, right? Yeah. We were like, we need to get off our butts, because I, I got a book in the mail. I ordered it straight from the author's website, and we were speaking of, well, Comedian First. This is Comedian First, Sam Talent. That is his real name. He's a very talented man. He's a comedian. He wrote a book, fiction book, Running the Light. And I got it because I'm like, oh, I can't do comedy. This comedian who I I know, who's funny, who I've seen, who I've seen at open mics, who I've 
you know been on tiny shows with well one time um he wrote a book and it's like well might as well and it's awesome it's really good i binged it i did too i read it in like two days before we were binge watchers we were what binge readers you were i remember being amazed i thought you were a miracle worker one time you read like a 90 page book from La Costa to, like, downtown San Diego. <laughs> I was like, that's not even possible. He reads, like, Vicky from Small Wonder, friend of the family. She helped us for roadside assistance once. Yeah. But anyway. What this up, is not Tiffany Brissett? This is not a Vicky the Robot tangent. We're talking about Sam Talent. Yeah. Well, how would you describe the book Running the Light? Forward by Kyle Kinane. Um, it reminded me of The Wrestler, but if it was a comedian. Oh, God, that's your elevator pitch. Yeah. Wrestler, but as a comedian. I, I'm more like, uh, you know, Barfly with a comedian. Leaving Las Vegas meets, uh, The Hangover meets, uh, any movie about comedy, I guess. But this is a, this is an interesting side of comedy. How would you? What, 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 I want to see a movie of this. This is going to be a good movie. All right. Well, I guess we're jumping right in. The, but what's the story of it? It's it's, it's not like a, a young comedian on the. It's no, the this is a comedian on the downside. On the downside of his career. On his career. Working the road. He's a road hack. Not a hack. Road dog. He's a road dog. There's a, he, get, he gets hacky, but it's exciting. And it's not just like I mean. For me, it's ninety percent like I, I've done crappy road gigs. I, I've I've seen this struggle. Um, I you know I've I've lived in fear that you know I would well you know this guy's a headliner. I haven't even amounted to that um, in comedy wise. He's got TV credits, but you know he's just a, a comedy fiend. He's a, he's an addict. I love this. I love it's a love letter to comedy addicts. Yeah. I mean, because you, you, what's your experience with addiction? I mean, I don't know. I, I have my, like, I'm pretty addicted to food. Pretty addicted to food. And uncontrollable urges for food. When you pick up stuff, you're kind of like a, a content addict. Yeah, I get into, like, like, when I was, I could guess, like, when I get into something, I'm really into it. Like, for a minute, it was really expensive Mondo posters. <laughs> for um, Then it was, like, wrestling. Thank goodness it wasn't Fabergé eggs. Yeah, you know. Um, wrestling addiction. Music. Music addiction. Yeah. There are good addictions. Addiction to... Have you ever been addicted to working out? There's been times. Yeah. I mean, that's a good one. But I mean, let's go back to your food addiction. Like, like I mean, if you were to like to describe, you know, that beast inside of you, like, what are some of the things it's made you do? Like, how would you describe it? Not in like food terms, but just well, like there's that. like times if I get really depressed, I'll just go buy. You haven't watched the the show Love. There's this great scene where Paul Russ just goes to the gas station and buys a bunch of junk food, like this bag of gas station oh, junk food. A.M.P.M. Picnic. Yeah. Oh, I love that. And that's like, I would, I, I do that a lot when I'm sad. Yeah. It's like, I just feed my face sugar sometimes. 
And, like, I remember I was on, like, a really strict diet for a while. I lost a ton of weight. I was on the slow-carb diet from the guy that wrote the four-hour work week. He had a book called The Four-Hour the, the Four Hour Body. Okay. And I got really into it, and I lost a bunch of weight. And I was updating my progress on Facebook, and I was, like, getting, like, really... So you were being annoying about it. Yeah. And, but, but, I was, it's but I was, like, walking, like, a ton every day. This is when I was living in San Diego. I was living my best life. Dude, how good were podcasts for walking and, like, doing... Oh, my things? God. Yeah, it was great. Like, I would listen to a whole You Made It Weird on my walk. Like, that's how, like, I would walk for the whole two hours. Thank you. Sometimes longer. Yeah. This is Moshe Kasher. There was, like, some three sleep. hours, like... Dude, remember when he had Aaron Rodgers on his podcast? <laughs> I tell Packers fans that all the time, but they're usually drunk at a bar. But I'm like, you're a Packers fan. What's like the longest interview you've heard with like any well any athlete? But to hear Aaron Rodgers of all people for like two hours with Pete Holmes was crazy, and it was good. Yeah, I listened to like a whole Marin. Well, they compared, you know, like the the way the mind works, like improvising and like throwing like a hail mary. To, like, when you're riding a crowd, which was also captured in Sam Talent's book, Burning the Light. But, I mean, to me, yeah, I saw a lot of, like, I mean, this, this, he's a road dog, this comedian, uh, the story this takes place, this book, it's great. I mean, what would you like about it? I just like the character, because I could definitely feel... The cover art's disturbing, it's kind of a turnoff. A little bit makes you curious describe for the listener this this cover we're looking at it's a guy with a microphone wrapped around his face yeah yeah he's he's like he's, he's got like a it's got the mic cord you know pulling up the corners of his mouth like like a maybe like this could turn into a joker story for how he got his scars if that mic cord kept kept taut so that's disturbing it looks like there's dime bags like strapped between his face He's got beer cans crunched in front of his eyes, and his his nose is a disturbing black nose. Like, he's got frostbite. And then there's, like, twine tied around his receding hairline. Thick hair, but receding. He's got, like, a Jack Nicholson peak. Um, It looks like the mic cord has a USB port, but that's neither here nor there. But there's, like, burnt, you know, spent-up cigarettes kind of has like a crown of thorns reminiscent of like Jesus's like mocking crown right and he have like a, a, a yeah. set of thorns it's cigarette butts like looks like a road dog to me though and that's your protagonist right that's the the anti-hero right comedy journey yeah but it's great because you know how do you capture stand the way the the author the way Sam captures stand up in you know literary form is impressive how did he do it what how did he do it how did he translate stand-up to a book i mean he just was able to capture the feeling of going up on stage and telling jokes and the crowd and i love it because every he, the 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 comedian goes up multiple times because he's like on like a, a crazy road dig gig reminiscent of a triple run for the comedy Northwest Insiders that I'm sure Sam Talent has done, 
just like shitty road gigs. Triple run. This is comedian book Dale Triple. Like that used to be like before Bridgetown, there was like Harvey's and like if you were good, you could do a triple run. You could headline these bar roadhouse shows between between Oregon, you know, going through like Idaho and like Eastern Washington. Did you do this? No, I was never good enough. And also, like, there's one thing to be funny in a town like Portland. Like, I could travel to Seattle. I've done. I can travel to, you know, other college towns. Road gigs for, like, weird meta, weird boy comedy? No. You need people like Sam Talent. You need people like like our hero, Billy Ray Schaefer, the comedian from Brand the Light. Just pros. Not amateur people who uh, think stand-up's cute. Um, well, yeah, like, when Juan Funches talks about, like, hey, what was Portland like when he started comedy? It was like, well, maybe you headlined the local comedy clubs. Maybe you can make some money, you know, doing some triple runs. And, and you know, and then hopefully you get noticed. But, yeah, I mean, that that's what, you know, and this is a comedian in Running the Light that's kind of that, that, road, that road dog. Yeah. Sorry, I'm looking up who I want to pick. Who would you have play? Uh, who would you have play Billy Ray? Well, you got you got to have Sam Talent play Billy Ray. I don't know who Sam Talent. He owns the rights. So does he look like him? He's a big dude. Yeah. Because I would say like Michael Madsen. Oh, but is he funny? You got You can't fake. I think Michael Madsen could be funny. Talk to any actor that's played a, a comedian. He's hard to. Ugh. I guess audiences don't mind, but comedians can tell when non-comedians are people who haven't done it that are doing stand. Or I mean, the Rorkster. Well, you want Mickey Rourke? You want to take the wrestler and throw him in the ring? He wouldn't survive. He wouldn't survive a cage match of disinterested bar drunks. But yeah, I mean... Because Mickey Rourke would go method and like go do comedy for like a year. I would get Zach Galifianakis, but I would adapt it. I would put a twist. Oh, he could do it. You would write it to Zach, but like another layer is like he wrote a road dog-ish like character, but he really is like his true self. Like the, the, the person, the comedian there is, is not like his comedy persona at all. Like it's like liberal Zach Galifianakis who has this like... Hat, road hack, like, you know, almost like a blue-collar comedy persona that he's trapped in. And it's kind of, I like that angle. But, I mean, the pacing, the way it's structured, like, any half-ass, like, myself included, you're like, well, what am I going to get out of comedy? Maybe I'll get, like, a good book idea. But maybe it's like, you know, you know, a memoir, a memoir isn't worth... Yeah, maybe it's, it's got, there's just too many. But like a fictional every comedian has a memoir. But to now. write a dope ass fictional book that's like yeah, I, know, I wonder if it's like uh, maybe I'm just you know fanboying too hard because uh, I, I kind of am too close. Can't smell the the shit in the outhouse. I love it. I was just I just wanted to know what was going to happen to Billy Ray and like because he goes on this it's like a wild adventure. Well, it's great. I mean, you know how, like, I love it because it's, like, it's a binge, right? Yeah. And you want to, I think it's best read, like, you know, overnight, you know, caffeine, nicotine, or, you know, whatever floats your boat safely. Um, I like it when movies do that, when it's, like, it's this other dimension. 
you know like when you watch like the hurt locker and like that tension of like diffusing a bomb is like in the editing you know the the viewer gets that experience the reader if this book is read and binged the way i think it's meant to be it it really kind of uh puts a cap you know puts a cap on it because it's like it almost recreates the buzz of doing a set yeah because, you know, there's this character who's doing comedy, but in between doing comedy, doing other things that also get him high. But nothing compares to the, you know, the magic trick of making it, making strangers laugh. Something you found. Oh, my gosh. The first time I ever, like, killed on stage was, like, the greatest thing ever. I've talked about it on you this show. You should never say that you killed... Um, but yeah, you did do really good. You killed that open mic. You Ugh. let you let others tell you you killed. You obviously you can never you can never earnestly say like, oh, this one time I killed. But you can because you're a crusher. I can't because it's probably a lie. Well, the first time I thought I did really well and I got a lot of praise and laughs. It was just, like, the greatest thing ever. Yeah, how's that for an antidepressant? I mean, it was... It kept me going. I mean, there was, like, the year that I was doing open mic comedy. That was, like, my recharge was getting up there. Hard to do from you, Kaipa. Yeah, it was, like, I drove to Riverside. It was, like, a half-hour drive. Well, that's not that bad. It wasn't that bad. But it was, like... On a weekday, and like I had the open mic crowd, like any characters that you saw at the mics that remind you of characters in here. Well, this was like a fucking um, mixed mic, mostly poetry, and there were some characters, man. There was this dude. uh, Shout out to Monday Night Rupo. Um, What is that? It's the Riverside Underground Performance Organization. Uh, I thought that was like a wrestling an indie wrestling moniker no um but that's where you uh honed your sharpened your comedy teeth well there wasn't too many comedians so mario the guy that was running it at the time he doesn't run anymore pretty much put me on every week and i got to i haven't I, i could go like eight minutes you should start with three to five well that's what i did but by the end, I was by like the last like I was going hard eight. for a podcaster to go from hour plus to three to five that first three minutes. But anyway, what what did I mean? It you know comedies as I guess this is a period piece, obviously because he's out in the world doing live performing arts, so it's kind of a nice time capsule that way. But as a quarantined comedian, it was just a it was like getting out there. You know, and getting your feet wet again. I couldn't recommend it enough for other comedians or people who miss live events. Well, yeah, for you. I mean, you were doing it. You've been actively doing shit. You had your own show, your monthly show. Had a monthly. I'll never get that back. You know, a monthly show, a hundred steps from where I live. That was great. Rest in peace, Sookies. <sighs> yeah. Do you think, I mean, shit's got to come back, right? I mean, people got to laugh. But, I mean, live comedy. Venues are closing, like, dropping like flies. If it does come back, it'll be slow. 
Yeah. And it's also like... It is, I mean, there's. you can go to a comedy show if you try hard enough, but then it's like, ooh, who, who would, who's, who's doing comedy right now? Even the comedians who are doing, like, safe shows just, like, a month ago, they were complaining about how, like, doing, like, those safe drive-in shows is kind of crappy because it's, like, $5,500 a ticket, and you have to ask yourself as a comedian, like, who's this for? Yeah. So, like, the the free shows, I'm going to miss that. And, I mean, I think that made a really, made Portland a really special place. Like, when the scene was popping, there was a semi-decent comedy night seven days a week. You know, open mics on maybe Mondays, but the Tuesday open mic, Tuesday nights, you could go to the helium mic, you could go to the lamp, you could... Uh, go to any number of shows. You go to writers' mics. You know, down at down at the kickstand spaces. There was good stuff going on. What's a writers' mic? Well, that's just kind of like well, Dan Weber. He would. He's a comedian who's awesome. Um, he's been in Chicago, Portland. Um, has a great podcast. Read the Bible with Dan. He's done festivals and you know features and at the local club. He uh, he would just do. Uh, like a, a weekly writer's kind of mic where, you know, there's really no, almost never any audience. And so it was more like writing exercises. Like some weeks it would be like, okay, you know, let's do a story. It doesn't have to be funny. Just try, try storytelling. He would, he would get improvisers to come in and pretend to be like audience members. And then we'd do like crowd work. It would be great. It was great. It's like, it's just cool stuff. I've never done crowd work. Yeah, I mean, part of me is thinking, like, now, with... It's like Billy Ray is a master of crowd work. Well, I think crowd work is, will be, will have a, a much more important place for the future of comedy, because you have to think, like, people are adapting to how they consume and get their laughs, you know, and there's so much comedy out there via meme culture and online culture and that's like well what's unique about stand-up crowd work i mean yeah i guess you can do crowd work via zoom but there's something really kind of there's some real crazy witchcraft advanced alchemy or it's like a room of strangers that this comedian just weaves a thread through and pulls in and out of the show and just kind of uh you know is pulling all the strings and in complete control. There's nothing like that, you know. Yeah. Comedians and hypnotists are shit out of luck. Do you think? What about professional hypnotists? Are they like hypnotizing people through Zoom? Like, what if like you get someone hypnotized? They're like uh, clucking like a chicken or disrobing. Their internet comes off, and then they're stuck in that. Well, then trance. it's like office like, space. space. Got office space. Watch out for COVID-related Zoom office spacing. I think that's happening. But yeah, that could definitely happen for sure. But yeah, it's, it's a great book. Running the light. There's a lot of cocaine use. Yeah, trigger warning. If you're trying to get over, is this is it a love letter to cocaine? A little bit. Cocaine. Why or. 
Uh, maybe it's a cautionary tale. I mean, for sure, it definitely talks. It, it definitely is not glorifying cocaine use because it shows the consequences for sure. And Billy Ray's career was destroyed by it. Yeah. I mean, this is the point of the podcast where uh, you probably should have stopped earlier um, and ordered Running the Light directly from Sam Sam Talent's website. The author gets the most money that way. I think it's just like samtalent.com. Um, yeah, he has his own publishing company. Well, yeah, man. He, he's, he's one of those guys. He's like... He's a wild, he's a maverick, you know. I've heard Sam Talent might be into, you know, uh, shrimp farming, um, off the grid. He's he's in Colorado. Even the, yeah, even, it's a, it's a book by a comedian. The Forward's great. It's by Kyle Kinane, um, who, side note, I heard apparently has a house in Beaverton. Maybe that's a rumor. Oh, yeah? That'd be cool. Maybe he's our neighbor. Have you ever seen him in Portland? Uh, no, I haven't. I saw him in L.A. Was he on a BMX bike? No, he was. It was at a. Um, it was a. What's that guy's name? The Have a Summer. Yeah, even the copyright page is funny. Yeah, this, this project is supported in part by Miller Lite, American Spirit Blues, and Supreme OG Kush. <laughs> I love it. It's uh-huh. like, please, if you stole this book, Venmo us some money. <laughs> like, this is stuff like that. I love it. Um, yeah. I think it would be funny. Like, I want to, like, buy a case of this book and sell it at open mics or shows as my merch. What if that's, like, how the book is produced? Or distributed. He just like mails it to comedians who he knows like have good draws. And they're like, hey, just sell my book after your show. You could probably get like a hundred comedians across the country to do that. Can you, can you move a lot of books that way? I mean... Not during a pandemic. I've never bought a book at a show, but... That'd be hilarious. If I was in the right mood... And I know you're a good salesman about it. Well, that's the thing is, and this is what Road Dogs will tell you is like, you know, if you're on the road and you want to make money and not just like break even, you have to sell merch. And people who have, if you're funny, people will buy whatever you have at the table. It doesn't matter. They just want like a piece of the of the god that came down from the mountain and stole the fire of laughter and shared it with them. So they'll buy anything you're selling. Including somebody else's book. I think it's a great idea. <laughs> Did you ever have merch? Um, no, I didn't have merch. I was about to. I was about to get cards made of my comedy characters. Well, no, I have. Well, I bought merch for the. I made merch for the festival. Oh yeah, you got T-shirts. I got a lot of T-shirts. <laughs> They're comfy T. I knew like they're really good T-shirts. When I was already in the T-shirts, the guy was like, "I was like, I want the I want the super soft ones." He's like, "Are you sure you want that? This one's almost as good because I knew." I was like, "I'm gonna be wearing a lot of these T-shirts, so I want them to be good." They're good T-shirts. If you need an XL or XXL. 
Let me know. I might even have a couple left. Point Break Comedy and Meatball Sandwich Festival t-shirts. <laughs> Thank goodness I didn't put my face on it. That would be that would have been dumb. Then I couldn't wear it. That's too much. <laughs> yeah, I I have a Radio Brendo Man t-shirt. It doesn't have my face on it, but it says Radio Brendo Man. Feels kind of weird wearing it. No, celebrate yourself. You gotta love yourself, bro. I mean, it's cool that other people wear their Radio Random Man merchandise. Shout out to the people that send in tweets with the pictures. Yeah. Well, I want. I'm not done. This is like we gave people time to go read the book. They're back now. We can jump into it. Let's, let's spoil it. Let's cast it. Let's get into it. I got Galifianakis is my guy. Who else? Are you you want a heavy who you think is funny? Yeah. You want Madsen? Yeah, I just have the idea of Michael Madsen for some reason. <laughs> Can you imagine? Probably the him? hair. Ooh man, if he did crowd work, he would kill people. That'd be good though. I just see like the the crazy badass. About, I see. Wow, Jeff Bridges. No, he's too nice. What? No, he's he's fighting cancer now. He's mad. He's pissed off at the world. I guess I don't know. I just see, for some reason I see the Reservoir Dogs. Uh, you, like you, you need Billy Ray to be more menacing. A little bit. All right, because he's about... scary. Like he's a scary dude. All right, what about? And his face gets all fucked up. Well, and Joaquin Phoenix in his fifties. I mean, yeah, probably. That would probably work. He's not, but with a little beef. Make him gain weight. Make him do a little. You have to get gain a lot of weight. Method work. Who could do it right now? Who? But who do you want? This is like it's a small script. You know, Sam's really involved. You can't afford a big name, so you you gotta come. You gotta go. Michael Madsen did an Uwe Boll movie. I think right. he's available. Okay, so you're going the whole like past their prime cheap route. That's true. Zach Galifianakis is probably still pretty expensive, but he'd do it if he liked the script. And it's a comedian, a fellow comedian. Uh, there's a cameo in the book. Yeah. Spoiler alert, we give you a fair warning. So he'd have to have Norm MacDonald. Sorry, so what if Norm MacDonald doesn't like it? Norm can't do it. It could get Roseanne Barr, no, for sure. Bob Saget. Bob Saget? Yeah, Bob Saget would be good. You get Louis Anderson. Louis Anderson was oh, Denver. I, Louis Anderson was Denver too. He'd be good. But you, you could have you, you let could, Roseanne put the comedy the talking club head. over. Well, <laughs> she could be, but she could also be herself. Like the talking head segment. Like they have like the break in the I book. That was great. They, in the middle of the book, they play. With, he plays with format a couple. It's like of an times. oral history of the from a, from history. an oral history book about comedy works. But was it a real oral history? And I think he, he took pieces <laughs> of the genius. real comedy work story. I'm glad because I did this after this book. It was one of the great. He because I've heard Roseanne talk about comedy work before and. And she did hire a bunch of her friends to work on Roseanne. Oh yeah, that, that's total. That's a total Denver story. That's comedy, yeah, for sure. I love it. I love because you know every scene has its archetypes, and even like even likes, which means like even like at the top of the top, there's you know there's known characters, and Billy Ray fits right in. Yeah, it's a good character. Do you get Bob Saget to play him? I don't know. He's could Jeff Jeff Fox really pull it off? 
what if you what if you get Lewis Black a personal trainer and you know <laughs> get him beefed up? Get like six pack Lewis Black. Or you know, you get disgraced Senator Al Franken. <laughs> he's not he's not he's not worried about anything anymore. Who else could do it? Oh, how about Gary Goldman? <laughs> there's you got there's some heavy scenes. I mean I think that's why Michael Madison is good. I think that's a good choice, actually. But you'd have to do... I'd have to, like... This would almost be a barren territory. Ooh, I mean... As far as, like, the cokehead, Sam Friend of Kinnison. Because Marin kind of lived that life. Yeah. So he's, he probably has the chops to because he he plays that that his character I, on. I think Sam's his, gonna be on Marin talking his about his character this. on Glow is kind of yeah. <laughs> oh, that'll I'll have to listen to that for sure. Yeah, that's why I wanted to get this one out. Yeah, because um, if you get it out Monday, it's probably gonna be you can listen to Sam Talent on Marin, <laughs> or you can listen to the Creasy Brothers talk about <laughs> Sam Talent. But it's great. Um, no, this is this is my Sam Talent story. Wait, did we finish casting it? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. What about the side characters? Who, who's going to um, play? Who's going to oh, play the? Well, you didn't get like, wife. Oh, I don't. I'm not good at that. You're not. You're not good at casting women. I'm not good at casting shit. You just get other comedians who have, who have acting. So the ex-wife, you'd get like it was like an older female comedian, like. Uh, Carolyn Ray. <laughs> she slept. The, yeah. <laughs> no, you, you, you gotta get a. Who's the one from the comedy store? Can she act? Is she still around? No. Um, you have to get like for like the for Norm Macdonald. Sandra Bernhardt. One of Norm Macdonald's openers is definitely like Ian Carmel. Oh yeah. Well, he's too big now. There's you gotta a fat get someone one. younger. You gotta get someone younger though. He's pushing thirty. Uh-huh. Well, get it, get Ian Carmel. Why not? Of course, I love Ian Carmel. That'd be. I think that'd be cool. Yeah, that'd be awesome. And he, you know what? He's he's a great enthu- He's a great good vibes guy. Like who would go well with Ian Carmel like, as the other guy? If the director gave Ian Carmel, hey, be happy to be here and enthusiastic. That's like, hello. That's like, that's first take Ian Carmel. That's great. We want to diversify the cast a little bit, you know? Maybe you get like, um, you know, a funny black woman to play, you know, the, you know, one of the comedians in the club. Mm -hmm. Maybe you get a queer comedian. Keep it a Denver connection. I think comedian Mo Welch, um, who's gay. Might, might be down. I don't know. We're just throwing out Denver comedy names. And get any... Just, just sprinkle it with Denver comedians. It's got to be a love letter to Denver. Oh, do you know who's from Denver or loves Denver? T, you get the... Um, uh, you get T.J. Miller. T.J. Miller... Was he half canceled or all the way canceled? I don't know, man. He's pretty rough. Pretty rough. He, was, he was on this show. He was on Radio Brendo, man. Nice. Yeah, he's he was pretty drunk. promoting Yogi. 
No, he was just it was at the LA Podcast Festival, and he was friendly and was like, "Yeah, I'll be on the show for a little bit." Love it. He was like, "What are you carrying in your cargo pants? That you need cargo pants?" All right, so we cast Michael Masden. Yeah. Who's um, the son of Billy Ray? Timothy Kathlamet. He's in everything. He's like twenty. He's like college aged. We don't know college aged actors anymore, do we? Uh, no. I mean, the uh, youngest one of the Stranger Things kids. Yeah, they're funny. <laughs> yeah, what's the guy's name? Um, the wolf, wolf, wolf ki- the wolf, wolf kid. cat. Yeah, that kid. Or you know what? It's a sausage fest. Recast that as a daughter. Boom. Get one of the Bill and Ted ladies. Yeah, get them. Get one. Or of the, the, the or or um, Borat's daughter. She's really good. She's funny. She could be. She's ready to headline. Maybe that's her thing. She only acts with comedians, and that's the secret to her success because they're so present. But yeah, it's a great book. It's a great, great binge worthy book. Binge worthy book. Sam Talent, he's a legend. I laughed out loud a lot. What was what was one of the funniest parts? Well, just like um, he goes to this, like I've I've been in Legion halls for wrestling, so I've oh, seen like yeah. the Legion hall, like, and I've seen because like the the Legionnaires will sometimes be at the rest, like they'll be there. Oh yeah, they'll be like, well, this guy's doing security, and it's like some seventy five year old. Yeah. Oh, like, well, we had at POWG Legion Larry. He was this like ancient Legion guy that like gave a shit all the time. I don't even. I don't know why he allowed. I think he ma- he made enough money that he was fine with it, but he just gave a shit. There, we, <laughs> at the Bridgetown Comedy Festival for the good years, they they always used the Eagles Lodge as a venue. And it was oh yeah, I've been to an Eagles Lodge because there'd be like you know, uh, you know, big name comedians who would have to like sign this legal pad because any non nest members. <laughs> Who were visiting the Eagles Lodge? They had to have documentation, so they had volunteers. These old ladies, everyone going in, had to put their name down on a legal pad. <laughs> it was great, and the security guy. It was his favorite weekend of the year. The security guy who who I had autograph the case that my pocket knife came that's on top of the fridge. I got that from the Eagles Lodge. This security guard every year would very opportunistically like open a side door and like peek his head in and like you know heckle on his way in and out of the venue <laughs> like it was it was a known thing he actually was so good at it that he would never initiate it he would he knew that if he opened the door and like poked his head around in his goofy looking vest that the comedians would would engage him and he was more than happy so he's my hero but i mean these are characters in this book yeah is, is but he opens for this guy that comes there with a duck, <laughs> and they have a game called Ploppo, yeah. where like people get you draw a number basically, and if the if the duck shits on your number, you get money. Yeah, and they like they like <laughs> overfeed the duck, 
<laughs> and so then, like, <laughs> Billy Ray gets so pissed off about it that he, and he's like, so he's all wasted. He does no, cocaine. He's doing cocaine, he, he does in cocaine the bathroom next to the guy. With the guy. With the guy who owns the duck. The duck. And then he decides. He, it, it crushes him because he realizes that the duck made more money than he did. Yeah, because the duck guy's like, how much merch did you sell? And he's like, 150. And he's like, oh, I pulled 600. It's like, fuck. Because <laughs> he sells, like, duck t-shirts and, like, 8 by 10s with the duck. And, and But the duck is so liberated. So he frees the duck. Mallard. And Fillmore. steals the dude's cocaine. It's a great move, stealing somebody else's blow. Mom, if you're listening, stop listening. <laughs> uh, one time, the one time I visited Judd in New York City, like, I met a mutual theater friend at this this bar, and then she ended up like, oh, um, friend of friend, the band, the Kooks, I'm hanging out with them tonight. They were like one of those, like, British, like, when the the bands were good. Yeah. Anyway, so, like, Judd's like, oh, hang out with them, but we may need their blow. So then we, the band comes, and we take their blow to the bathroom, do some, and then leave. We stole Rockstar's cocaine. Wow. It's a great feeling. I know that feeling. I know the feeling. And I've never done cocaine since then. I've been around cocaine, and it was around comedians. Yeah. I mean, sometimes. It's weird. I've also been around improvisers who do cocaine, so they're not all angels. It seems like cocaine has made a comeback in the comedy world, which is stupid because a lot of comedians died of cocaine, so maybe don't do cocaine. No, I nobody nobody on this podcast does cocaine. I'm not saying... I was just talking to the comedians out there. No. Yeah, no, nothing will make you... The worst thing a comedian can be is... It'd be completely convinced that they are the most hilarious thing in the world. And cocaine is a drug that makes you feel that way without earning it. And so that's why it's especially dangerous for comedians. Yeah. I think a great thing that's executed in this book is every time before, the, before Billy Ray goes on, the stakes are high. And that's how it is with comedy. Um, it's like you can go on at your monthly show where the half the crowd loves you, but it's live comedy. If you're if you bomb, you bomb. That can happen. And he, and he pulls it out. He keeps pulling it out. Yeah. Uh, and then when he doesn't, there's another literary shift, and it become it, it goes less from like the author like describing and engaging and crowd works. The when he's doing well, it's usually crowd work engaged, and that's how it's kind of narrative. When he's crushing, that's what it's like. But you remember the chapter. The segment where he he's bombing. Yeah, where he bombs. It's just all it is is his. It's basically like one nonstop it's train like a of serial thought. killers joke book, and it's all like just like one level above street jokes. Yeah, it's punched up street jokes, and maybe some Sam Town originals. A lot of them thrown in. But it's I just, loved it. It was like holy shit. I've I've seen, I can imagine what this would be like if I was watching this. <laughs> It's a train wreck, and like I love it because for me, like it was like Pete Holmes on crashing, like his first set after he gets like he's like my wife left me. Oh, it's so hard. I've never I've never seen the marvelous Miss Maisel 
Uh, you gotta watch that. Yeah. Now that I got Prime, I've been wanting to watch it because I love Gilmore Girls. And it's like the same Amy Sherman Palladino. Also, yeah. Bunheads. But like, as, as an amateur and comedian kind of fan, super fan. Did I ever tell you about the time I bombed hard? Tell me. In right LA? Now. In LA. I drove so out drove to an hour. LA mic. It was an hour and a half. To LA mic. And I had already done one LA mic and I did pretty well. So I had some confidence. I wasn't like, all right, this is going to be shit. And I'd done a North Hollywood mic. So that was, it's kind of different. And so then I did an actual LA. LA, LA? Yeah. Mic. Got up there, did my, had my best jokes. <laughs> it was just, I think it was, I mean, it was most, it was probably like, 90% the other comedians in the audience. Okay. So it was just pure. But they were laughing at other people. Mm-hmm. I, the people were getting laughs. And I get up there and I do all my best shit at the time that I had. That I, that I thought was tested and proven material. And to crickets the whole time for like three and a half minutes. It was so brutal. It felt like I was up there for like 20 and I was just the guy I remember when I was getting ready to leave the guy was like he's like what he was like he's like thanks for coming and that was all he said was thanks for coming not like but I'm I'm, I'm on that I'm on that his bombing like there's good jokes in here uh he's talking about his family he's talking about incest in his family tree and he's like oh my god why are you named Billy Ray? Because my daddy's name was Billy, and there was this other guy in town named Ray. And my mama, well, let's just say she was covering her bases. Her name was all she could afford to give me. She thought, hell, might as well give them two. They were second cousins, my mother and father. You heard that right. Our family tree is an Aspen. See, that's hilarious. <laughs> yeah. I just learned this on my road trip. Aspens are clones. Like a whole grove of Aspens, it's all one root system. That is a very intelligent road hack joke it's great it's great and it just goes on and on for like two and a half pages of the, oh it's a bomb that's a bomb and it's captured in print and it's amazing it's amazing cause I would do like riffing at Rupo and it always seemed to work but I never tried it <laughs> when I was I never that's the only place I ever tried riffing Oh, do you know what? Do you know what is a next level uh, road road dog move? Is fake? You can fake crowd work. Well, yeah, Billy Ray did the. If you notice, Billy Ray did the same crowd work. He had like the same shtick for well, crowd work. Most crowd work, it's you know, most crowd work comedians they have the same entry points. Whether it's what do you? Whether it's just, you know, what I mean. And there's it's just you can get the you can do the same things over and over again, and so like. You know, it's like, uh, I do this thing where I talk about the Beastie Boys and then ask, you know, basically I'm like translating the songs in Spanish, but you realize as crowds, they kind of give you the same thing no matter what the crowd is. So whatever I ask, I could ask any crowd, you know, what's, I, well, the, the fake crowd work shit is I ask the crowd and it's almost like a joke in itself. You say, oh, I'm going to. I'm gonna I'm gonna do a Spanish version of a Beastie Boy song. Here, give what what are some of your favorite Beastie Boy songs? And then the crowd screams them out. 
and then scream out some Beastie Boys songs. You're the crowd. You're the crowd. Sabotage. Uh, and then you also hear Intergalactic. Intergalactic. Paul Revere. And then you say, "That's great." I heard "No Sleep Till Brooklyn." And then sometimes you get a big laugh because you obviously no one said that, or you just pretend like you're just like, "Oh, I heard." You just pretend you heard the one that's vital to your next bit. Is you can lie, like you can be like, "I heard this." <laughs> it's funny, yeah. Yeah, but it's it's that is the kind of crowd work <clears throat> that is non-sustainable. The, the that when I talk about the magic of crowd work, that's not what I'm talking about. The magic of crowd work is there's been a couple of good crowd work albums released in the past year. I think Mosh Kasher did one. My comedian friend of ours, Jake Silverman, album, crowd work, boom. And so you get to listen and see. It's like, it's just like, oh, it's good. Um, obviously, this is, you know, a fiction book, but, you know, captures crowd work well. And also kind of tips the hand that like, hey, you know, part of, part of the deception of live comedy is the comedians presented as if they're, this is just the first time they're saying it. Some of the good ones. And I remember the, the first time I learned that uh, comedians do the same jokes over and over again. I was like, oh. Was oh, yeah, shocked. me too. I was, when I... I was a, I was a shocked 11-year-old watching Comedy Central. I watched, uh, I, I didn't really figure it out until I worked at Smodcastle and D.C. Pearson was hosting a show with Eliza Skinner. And they would both, they would do like an opening they would open the show, and DC decided he was going to start workshopping this like long form story comedy, basically that he was doing. It was really good, but like I didn't know that like you could do that. So like I, he did it like three weeks in a row, and I was like, "What the fuck?" <laughs> like, and I was like, and I, I was like, can you, I look, I started looking online and like watching because yeah. I was like, can, "Is this what you do?" Like, he just. Well, it, and then I talked to him about it. I was like, "So you're working on this?" And like, I noticed you made some changes this time. He's like, "Oh yeah," blah, blah, blah. like, and I was like, "That's really cool." And it's funny to tinker. Like, I love tinkering with a joke. Also, because I'm lazy, I tinker with a joke for a decade if I have to. It's my prerogative. Uh, but I also try new stuff, new characters, new characters telling the same old jokes. I love it. Great. But oh man, then. Sam also pulls off something I think that's good in the book is you get to watch a joke get formed from an ob- from the, the falling rock. Oh, yeah, the falling rock joke. That's funny because who told us that joke? Dad. Yeah, it's a dad joke. Well, it was a but Boy Scout feels. joke. Right, but remember, so you were referring to this the roadside sign, you know, watch for falling rocks or beware falling rocks. Or caution, falling rocks, or just most often falling rocks. Yeah, but the the inter- is it an inappropriate joke? It probably is. It's, yeah. it's Boy Scouts. The Boy Scouts are already canceled. They're bankrupt. So this is a joke that my dad probably learned. The Boy Scouts, and he told us on a road trip joke. You know, you, you see the sign. You know, driving from San Diego through Arizona to New Mexico, you see the sign falling rocks. And the head said, or no, you, the sign's the punchline, right? Yeah. So we spot it. There is no sign. I ruined it. I'm a bad Boy Scout. That's why I got the second class and Brennan got the Life Scout. 
you tell the falling rocks bit. I don't remember it that well. I just remember it's just like, kind of like there's a native story there's and there's three native sons American. and they go out and they're sent on a quest and, and one of them never returns. And that's why you see the signs because that Indian's name was Falling Rocks because there's like, you know, running water and you yeah. know, galloping. So it's a terrible. But so what our cheesy, corny dad, who was many things, but a humorist, not one of his top skills right you have all the dad jokes he's yeah he's a cheesy he's a he's a, he's a great corny guy he's a great corn corn dog but you know I, I wouldn't expect him to like you know take over a dinner party with his funny stories um mainly because he's been dead for like 20 years but anyway but anyway um, the Falling Rocks, Dad told us this joke on a road trip, and then, like, later that summer, we're at a Boy Scout camp, and some Boy Scout leader, like, at the big camp-wide fire story, or fire, you know, gathering, um, you know, fireside chat, you know, tells that long-winded story, and at the end, I, like, raised my hand, I was like, I saw the sign! I saw it! And it's like, I was like, from my young age, I'm like an idiot heckler. I'm like, I know that sign! <laughs> like milk. Said falling rock. You're like milk on Big Mouth. <laughs> yeah. I'm like milk on Big Mouth. I hadn't really watched Big Mouth until I watched it with you. and that No, character. we're not talking anything other than running the light. We cannot divert, divert, Sorry. divert our attention to Big Mouth. Um, but yeah, it's a great book. And now you don't need to read it because uh, we talked all about it. But like I just liked it had the some of the similar beats of the wrestler with like the relationship with a child, the drug use, the rise and fall, yeah. and then that final last ride basically, and a slightly ambiguous ending, and that's good. I liked it. It makes me want to watch a bunch of comedy. It does. There are some specials I need to check out. We need to go on, because, like, I think HBO Max has, like, old... I want to watch some old shit. If you want to watch... Comedy doesn't age well. That's what's so beautiful about it. <laughs> like, don't get me wrong. I have a library of classic comedy. And I know for a fact it does not age well. Well, half of those people are canceled. Yeah. Even some of the good stuff, you're just like, it's, it's, it's comedy's consumed differently. It's told differently. I can still listen, like, the stuff, think, what, <laughs> what stuff is timeless for you? Because I would say, for me, Nothing, like. Nothing. Because you don't think that's so? why comedy doesn't exist I think Mitch right Hedberg now. is pretty timeless. I can listen to Mitch. I, but people, like, Mitch to, like, a, well, maybe. But it's different. Because, like, Mitch to, like, I'm thinking of, like, a, a 12 or 13-year-old. Someone who has a sense of humor. Someone who knows what their idea of funny is for for themselves. They might see, who's this, uh, who's this old guy, like, reading tweets out loud? <laughs> and they're, che- they're all cheesy. <laughs> I guess it would be almost. I mean, it's kind of dad jokey. Like Mitch some had, of it. Well, that was like I was. I was having fun the with the apartment a depot. I was like, my next character is going to be Mitch Dadberg, and it was just a bunch <laughs> of like Mitch Hedberg esque dad jokes. That's good. Some of them were pretty good. I have to I have to pull up the Google document. Um, 
and bust out some of my Mitch Dadberg jokes from a while ago. But what what have um, <clears throat> what have you been watching them now that we? I mean, to put a bow on Ray and the Light, the big closer is it's amazing. Um, and if you go to Sam's website, you can get a deal. You can get the book with a T-shirt. This copy is signed. It's going to be worth nothing someday because our economy is going nowhere. Um, according to Ron White, it's a hell of a novel. Too fucked up to miss. There you go. It's funny because like Ron White <laughs> is a comedian who probably directly... It's a direct analog to uh, the protagonist of the Light. Um, I mean, I read that. I watched... We've uh, been watching a lot of Christmas movies. We've got Our Home usuals. Alone paused up right now. we got Home Alone paused up. We watched Muppet Christmas Carol today. We watched Scrooge yesterday. We watched uh, that Kurt Russell movie. We watched... Uh, what else we watched? Watched some of Die Hard until I fell asleep. I've been falling asleep a lot lately. I don't know. Um, uh, I did watch all of the the four part Heaven's Gate documentary Ooh. on HBO Max. Shout out San Diego, because that was that happened when we were in high school, like not that far from where we lived. And I remember when it happened and just being like, "That's fucked up." And then, but it was just kind of it was a lot of footage of. Like, because they filmed themselves a lot, and so it was just seeing it from their perspective. It was these people that joined this cult and lived like nomads for like 20 years and then killed themselves more than 20 years. Taught themselves computer programming to to make their, their rent. Yeah. And they had website. They were like, they were on the forefront of the internet, and you can, I think you could still go on their website because they're, there's like former members that keep it up. Yeah, I remember this was like 99, 2000. Must have been 99 if I was working at Video Ball for the new year. And uh, a graduated high school classmate from Brenda's class, class of 98, came in and was like, Yeah, dude, I'm going to pick up some, I'm going to pick up like a 24 pack of Mickey's grenades. And there's a party at the the Hailbop house. Well, yeah, because they had trouble renting it out, so it was always abandoned, yeah. from what I heard. So, I mean, if there was... do you really want to live in a house know. where 39 people killed themselves? Well, I mean, there was big blood... I mean, this house was built in 1913. How many people do you think have died in this house? Ugh. You think everybody made it to the hospital? Yeah, probably. There's people probably died in here. I got an EMF reader from my ghost tour days. Ghost tour. I'm a paranormalist. I love it that, you know, between moving down from Seattle, when I worked at UW to working for the school I do now, I was a, a ghost tour guide. And so sometimes in team meetings, people do this thing, especially if it's like, oh, this is the department that's never visited this office before. They'll be like, say your name and title and maybe what you were doing before you came to Brandman. And usually people are like, oh, and prior to Brandman, no, I was working, you know, uh, for... Um, you know, San Marcos University, or I was working for, uh, I was working for an education nonprofit, and they got to me one time, and I was like, my name's Carson, and before Brandman, I was um, giving tours uh, about ghosts in Old Town Portland, and then proceeded to dominate the meeting with all my 
I forget what the meeting was about. Did you ever see any ghosts? Any ghost tour? No. I wanted to. I have a two, I have a friend, Sean Connery, who's a comedian, who was like. No, I think I, I like well, not like saw ghosts, but like weird shit. Like people on his tour felt like punched, and then in the dark, and they went upstairs, and he had like you know marks on his face. Whoa! Yeah, he felt. He said, I think he even told me, or maybe he was just messing with me. But no, I tried. Even on my last days, like I would go down by myself. I left like you know twelve in the morning, you know, in a space that you know if it wasn't <clears throat> a space that was used as a as as a as a uh a means of uh uh shanghaiing you know young sailors drunk sailors it was probably used to you know break in sex workers or keep them you know confined i don't know it was a dark space um but never saw anything Mm -hmm. wanted to i had one of those haunted place books and i was on to go to like all the places and like Check it out. That's very basic of you. Why is that basic? Well, you're just going... You're just going where the book tells you to. You gotta do your own... That was the most exciting part, was taking stories like that from those books and then doing, like, fact-checking. Like, there was this crazy long-winded story about this ship that sank and this... that was, like, an artifact in this oyster bar that's been around since the 1800s. And the best time I had on that job was researching the sinking of that ship and, like, all the stuff related to the Brother Jonathan. It was crazy. Hmm. Felt like I could write, like, a HBO miniseries about this ill-fated ship. It's heartbreaking. But I was... I, had, I went down to the, you know, the main library and had people, you know, bring me up, like, paper, microfiche, whatever file, so I could look at the newspaper reports of the sinking in, like, the 1860s. I was there was an article in Willamette Weekly just today about the nefarious history of the Oregon coast and like pirates and all that stuff. It's wild, man. Like the Goonies shit is real, man. Yeah, it's a part of it. It's part of our, our culture. Our culture. We can watch the Goonies and then take Lily into the coast and like look for Goonies gold. Oh, that's gonna be cool. There's a world that we can go outside in again. We could still go to Astoria. We could. <laughs> I had to wait 25 years for my adventure, my Goonie adventure. And you, yeah, and you did it. You got it. And now you can't even drive up to the chunk house. I know. People ruined it. People like us. We were polite. We didn't. We weren't mean. No. Well, yeah, man. How do you want to close this out? Well, did you watch anything? I read a book, and we just talked about it for like the full hour. Oh, we watched Mulan. I fell asleep. It was okay. Mandalorian's still kicking butt. Oh my gosh, Mandalorian is so awesome. I'm I'm most excited. Speaking of comedians doing acting, oh, maybe maybe that's where... um, Who's the actor? Bill Burr. Maybe that's where Bill Burr, Bill Burr as Billy Ray. I could see Star Bill Wars Burr thing. as a Billy Ray, definitely. Great. Um, but yeah, I, that Mandalorian has been awesome. I love that people were all like freaking out about Boba Fett, which is awesome. But like the shout out to Dark Forces, I love it. They've had a, they had Dark Troopers. Yeah! 
This is my Wilhelm scream. Dark Forces is where I fell in love with that scream. I I would jump off cliffs to hear that scream over and over again just because it was fun. I'm not cheat code. I love Dark Forces. Shout out to MathWiz David Byrne who yeah. helped me beat the complicated gate unlocking and level. then he got like mods he like found he showed us how to install mods on it showed you i didn't do anything there was like a level with like tie fighters and shit that he like was like looking to make all these tie fighters appear and i don't know hell yeah i played a shitload of that game and then like i remember getting scared fighting the dark troopers yeah man the chart up they had like the um, there were between charred corpses all over there there were two different kinds of dark troopers. There was like the the ones that looked like Ultron kinda, and then there was like the dark trooper like the one in Mandalorian. They were like the super ones. Mm. They had like the dome heads. Nasty bugs. <clears throat> they look more like stormtroopers. Kill quickly if you can. Um, dark trooper release. And then it was like Damn. You know what that sound means, bro. It's time. Love you, bro. Love you, bro. Love you, bro. Love you, bro. What are we doing next week on the show? Hmm. Love you, bro. Favorite Christmas movies? Ah, it's been done. We'll write our own. Love you, bro. Love you, bro. No, I love you, bro. Love Love you, bro. bro.